you know, and it's kind of like this conflicting thing. Cause it's like, no, but I don't want to give up, you know? And, and so, um, but I, I really do like having the, the social part of, you know, having, you know, people that like are there to like support you, you know, cause sometimes it does get really hard. Um, and racing itself is not easy. It's definitely, it's always hard. This is Grin and Grind It, a podcast where I chat with fellow WTF, women, trans, femme, athletes, who are kicking ass and smiling through defeat and victory in their sport. I hope this podcast encourages you to stray outside your comfort zone, to think about the world differently, and to accept people for who they are. If a show resonates with you, please send it to a friend or family, because sharing is caring. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're listening to, please consider becoming a patron to keep this podcast alive. Patreon is a platform for people like me to get paid for what they love to do. You can subscribe for as little as $2 per month, which helps me pay for this podcast because I don't have any sponsors. I run this out of my own wallet and my own free time. So if you like what you're hearing, you want to support me, you can visit my page at www.patreon.com slash grinandgrinded. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's start off with how did you get into bike racing? Um, so that's a great question. Um, so I'm going to backtrack before the bike racing thing. Um, I kind of started out riding a bike, raising money for charity organizations. And the charity organization I got involved with was the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So at that time, um, you know, being novice bike rider, I had bought my first road bike after I graduated college. Um, and I really basically bought that bike based off of color, not based off of how (laughs) good the bike was or, you know, I mean, I didn't know anything about components even. Um, and it had really crappy components on there. I, I think it was like the lowest line that Shimano probably offers. It definitely was a granny, oh, you know, triple, triple chain ring setup. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to start somewhere and I didn't really have any knowledge about cycling. I just knew that um, I, I had wanted to do, you know, my first century ride. And this was a really great way to actually meet people who were interested in riding a bike, but were also kind of novice. Um, and so every, you know, weekend there were these group rides that I would, you know, drive about 45 minutes from my, my home in Jersey city, um, to Northern New Jersey, which is actually quite beautiful. Um, I know a lot of people associate New Jersey as being the armpit of America, but they're really only thinking of I-95. Um, if you if you go to the northern parts, it is called the Garden State for a reason, and it is absolutely beautiful up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know d- didn't even have like a kit. I mean, I I wore running shorts and sneakers and you know all that jazz, you know. And then I later learned, oh, okay, there are these bike shorts and it's spandex, and <laughs> wow, this really doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I started with, with bikes. Um, and then I got into racing when I moved out here. Um, and it's actually kind of funny because I had met a girl, um, it was kind of, this, it's kind of like a blind date in a sense where a friend of mine had introduced us and said, like, I guess she had worked with her mom and said, Hey, my you know, like the woman that I work with, her daughter's moving out to Lafayette where you live. She's really into bikes, um, you know, and she just put us in touch. And so I remember going on my first bike ride with her and, you know, and she's like, I had lived out here for a couple of years and, you know, fairly used to the altitude. And, you know, when she said she was into bikes, like, I mean, the girl... (laughs) <laughs> I think she's a cat two racer. So like, yeah, she's really into bikes and she's really good. And she's a really great hill climber. Um, and that's Lindsay, that was Lindsay Nast. Um, so she, she's actually the whole reason why I actually started bike racing. Um, so when she moved out here, her and I would ride together and she had gotten on a team called primal Audi Denver, um, women's racing. And so I had, you know, asked her a bunch of questions about the bike racing thing and, you know, how do you join? And, 
you know, definitely secretly was like fearful of like, oh my God, do I have to like try out for this? Like, am I going to have to show them that like I could ride a bicycle and like, what if I'm not fast enough? And (laughs) so I, I definitely put all this like external pressure on myself and lo and behold, like there was no tryout. It was just basically a phone call asking me a bunch of questions and, you know, and then I was on the team. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so that's, that's how I started. And that, and I think that, um, I started racing in the year of 2014. Okay. Um, and that was the year I got married. So I didn't really devote that much time into bike racing or learning how to bike race. I think I may have done like eight races that year and, you know, but I was more focused on, cause I'm a designer too. So I designed everything for my wedding, like from, you know, like the website to all the materials that you see at a wedding, you know, like menus and signage and invitations and save the dates and RSVPs and yeah, the whole nine. So I, you know, really didn't have a whole lot of time to devote to racing aside from my full-time job and then full-time working on things for my wedding. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Has it changed since? Like, do you still, um, or like, have you put racing or training for racing is like the kind of primary goal or is that, I mean, how has that changed over the past five years? Well, definitely, you know, that, that first year um, I didn't have a coach. So, you know, definitely was trying to learn things on my own. Um, And then I think the following year I had hired a coach um, and, and got a little bit more serious about it. Um, but honestly, I think last year, you know, I, I, cause then I went with a different coach too, even, and, um, I started seeing a lot of like changes and results and, you know, just my performance in terms of, you know, like self, you know, self goals, um, not so much like being on a podium type thing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, last year was when I saw like a really big jump in improvement. And I realized that like, in order to be good at bike racing, you really have to be consistent. Um, so like not missing workouts. So, you know, you have those days where you don't want to get on a bike and it feels so much better to just relax and, you know, maybe eat a piece of cake or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, Last year, I, you know, I had really taken myself a lot out of my comfort zone. Um, And so I participated in, um, it was like a seven day event uh, for the Haute Route, um, which Haute Route is sort of, you know, this organization that's really started in Europe. Um, And so they basically have these bike races that are, which started out in Europe and now has come to the United States, um, you know, they make, make these races that make you kind of feel like a, like your pro. So, you know, you have, you know, kind of like your masseuses at the end of your rides and you get like meals and, you know, there's like lots of staff, you know, along the course of the roads. And, you know, they, they even had like Mavic, you know, wheels. So you damaged a wheel, like they were quickly there to like help you change your flat or give you a new wheel set. Um, and they, you know, they had mechanics that would like, you know, work on your bikes after like the day and they had, you know, washing stations where you can like wash your bike. So it was definitely like a, a, a pretty cool experience, something that I, I had wanted to do. And because it was in the state that I live in, you know, and I'm familiar with a lot of the climbs here, I thought, okay, yeah, I can do this. Um, but I will tell you that the second day put me in tears. Oh, <laughs> It was probably, it was probably one of the hardest things I have ever done. Um, you know, and you, I mean, you've, you've grown up here, so you know what the weather is like here, especially, um, I mean, this, this race pretty much happened at the end of June last year. And, um, I think on the second day, I mean, there was snow and hail and this torrential like downpour right when I got to Idaho Springs. And so, we had gotten like the, okay, it's not safe to ride outside. So every, everyone was like kind of holed up in McDonald's in Idaho Springs and I don't eat fast food, but man, I was just so drained from the day and, you know, having Mm -hmm. this emotional up and down and 
I ate French fries and <laughs> I had like a, like a lot of French fries thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get sagged now. I can't finish this because the end stage was in Winter Park. And then about 45 minutes later, they said we can go back out on the road if we wanted to complete the stage. And um, I just remember asking, well, we've been sitting here yeah. for 45 minutes. I'm like completely cooled down now. What if we don't finish the stage? And they're like, well, you can't be in the GC. And the GC wasn't really that important to me, but it was important to a friend of mine. And so I was like, okay, I'll go back out with you so that you know you can finish this and not get disqualified. And I think when we got up to the top, the temperature changed again. And you know, they said that it was unsafe to descend into Winter Park. So they were going to bus us down to Winter Park. And so, you know, soaking wet, I'm, my teeth are chattering. I get on this bus waiting to be bussed down. And yeah, it was just definitely an emotional day for me, I think, the second day. I I think that would have been for anyone. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, um, but it was a good experience, I would say, just because, you know, it really, um, I, I think I got into really good shape after that. I mean, I wound up losing some weight, which I I don't think I was at that weight ever since like college. And I've been out of college for a long time now. <laughs> Not going to say how long. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was definitely something that prepared me for the months to come. And then a week after that, I actually went to um, France and I, you know, it's, had always been on my bucket list to ride the Alps and, you know, see at least one stage of the Tour de France. And so I actually got to see a stage um, up on Alpe d'Huez, which was like super awesome. I mean, what a different vibe with racing in Europe than over here. It's just so amazing to be a part of. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I've only been able to watch it from the TV. Actually, even the computer. I'm not even the TV. (laughs) (laughs) You need a TV. You have to watch it at least on a television. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day. No, but I mean, like, you should definitely, I mean, honestly, I would definitely recommend it just because really, I mean, it's, it's, like the, the vibe that you get there. I mean, it's just a giant party scene. I mean, we had some friends who were, I think camped out there for like three weeks. They were about four kilometers from the top. Um, and I mean, it was just like mayhem. I mean, so many spectators to the point where, you know, there aren't really any barriers unless you get closer, closer up to the top. There's, you know, the barriers, but where I was standing, which was four kilometers from the finish, um, you know, it, it, it's almost like you could reach out and touch the rider, which I don't recommend doing that. That is just yeah. really not a good idea. Um, and unfortunately, where, where I was standing was right where Nibali got his handlebar um, hooked on, uh, I think it was like a woman's camera strap. Oh and God. he just went down and broke his vertebrae, which I am so amazed that he finished that climb, the last four kilometers of that climb with that, you know, break i mean god that must have been excruciating yeah but yeah wow so you're (laughs) actually there for the tour de france um really or for the stage or whatever i so we were staying in um gosh i can't i end up probably i don't really actually remember the name of the town um because i'll definitely butcher it but yeah (laughs) um but it's funny because the like because hot route has um a you know, ride that goes up Alpe d'Huez. It's a three-day event. And in the town that we were staying, that's where they had actually started. So that was kind of fun watching people go off there. But um, I was actually out there for a camp. Um, So my coach has these, you know, and that's actually, I'm going to Spain this year, like next week. So it's another one of his camps. Um, But this, this was a camp that he sort of, you know, put together and it's, you know, a week of riding. And I think we spent like a little bit more than two weeks there And, you know, of course, like the Tour de France was coming through there. And so I was like, uh, this is definitely like on my bucket list of things to do before I die. Like we definitely have to go see this. So we, you know, we kind of like made a day out of it. Like we, we had done a, a bike ride up there previously for the camp, but for that day, you know, for that race, we rode our bikes up there again, um, because it, you know, the, the roads are closed you know, to traffic and cars and unless you're, you know, staff 
of the Tour de France, you know, you're not really allowed up there. And actually they close the road to cyclists even um, past a certain time. Now, granted, there's this party that's going on on Alpe d'Huez, you know, for hours. And I think, you know, the roads get closed at noon or something like that, or maybe it was like 11. So you had to really get up there a lot sooner. And, you know, the, but the, the riders don't, they didn't come in until about like five. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like people are like completely trashed. <laughs> rowing boats on like, you know, like pretend boats on like the pavement. And I mean, singing and dancing and everyone's taking shots and everybody's like in these costumes. And I mean, it was, it was definitely a giant party. I, I, I'm not a day drinker. I mean, I'm not really a drinker to begin with. And, you know, being like having a couple of drinks, I was definitely <laughs> a little bit buzzed before like <laughs> I don't know, noon. <laughs> That's awesome. That would be so much fun. Um, all right. Well, let's switch gears. So I think you're coming up on the first full year, right, of the Revolution Women's Cycling Team? Yes, this is our, our first um, full year. Um, so no one really knows about us just yet. Um, you know, we don't really have big, huge title sponsors. The Revolution name is actually our nonprofit name. Um, and I think it's such a great name because, you know, we're seeing a lot of different, like, you know, women coming out with like the Me Too movement and Colorado hosting the first ever women's only bike race. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's like a a pretty good name for the time, which it's kind of been like a nonprofit name for quite some time. I mean, um, we just had title sponsors before that, so. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, how many are on the team now? Because I know, you, yeah, you switched from our previous team to now the Revolution Women's team. So how many do you have on it? So we don't, unfortunately, have that many women right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have five dedicated women. Um, everyone's kind of in like, you know, they're like, you know, life kind of happens. So apart from like bike racing, Um but yeah, I mean, there's, they're like a core group of friends that I've kind of met, um, through bike racing, um, and have just been friends with them ever since. Um, and so I really like these girls. They're like smart intellectual ladies. Um, they're badass on a bike. Um, yeah. And they're just, they're fun. I hang out with them outside of riding a bike too, even. So they're obviously good friends of mine. I love them pieces. <laughs> <laughs> hey, five's better than none. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could be a team of one. I don't know, that could be fun too. But, um, what have been some of the growing pains of sort of starting this new team? Well, um, I would say the biggest growing pain is probably getting sponsorship. Um, so, you know, I mean, sponsors like, in terms of cash sponsors, not just people who give you sponsorship through like discounts. I mean, we get, we can get a lot of discounts through like bike shops and bike clothing companies and things like that. Um, but I would say getting cash sponsor sponsors is probably one of the biggest hurdles for, for any team really. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, cause nobody really wants to like part with cash. Um, but you know, I, I tend to frequent a lot of this, like if I really like a I'm a foodie. I love, I like love food. This is why I ride a bicycle. Um, (laughs) and you know, I, I tend to like frequent places that I really like a whole lot. And this year, um, we wound up getting a sponsor, um, from this little local bakery that's in Louisville that, I mean, I literally go there probably every other day. Um, and if I'm on a training ride, I, I find my way there just to get like either a snack or, you know, a sandwich or something. Um, but I kind of became friends with the owner and I kind of kept, you know, putting revolution in his ear and asking him if he would, you know, be interested in sponsoring a women's bike team. And, you know, they, they tend to have a lot of cyclists that, you know, come there, uh, for lunch and, and things like that. And so they have like an outdoor patio space in the back and also in the front in the summertime. And, so, you know, you'll see these bikes that are like lined up against the wall, which is kind of cool. Um, and so, you know, like I, I, because I'm in there all the time, I just, you know, I'm not really afraid to ask people for things like that. And, 
you know, so he and I got to talking and, um, and then I, you know, I, we kind of didn't talk for a little bit. Um, you know, I hadn't seen him or I just thought maybe like I fell off of his radar. And, and then one day I popped in their, um, shop and, you know, he, like the, his name is Andy, um, and, and the bakery is called Moxie Bakery or Moxie Bread Co. And, um, you know, he's like, I haven't forgotten about you. Um, and so we chatted on the phone for quite some time and, you know, he was like, you know, I think you do really good things for the community. And, um, I kind of, you know, like believe in what you're doing and, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you and donate some, some money. And I was like, oh, awesome. And so like, we have like these tier sponsorship levels and, you know, I'm thinking he's going to give me the like lowest dollar amount, you know, because again, nobody really likes parting with money. They, you know, it, it's hard mm-hmm. to show somebody like the value of it, um, especially at an amateur stage. Um, and so, you know, he actually surprised me and went like a level higher. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's like pretty much like one of our only cash sponsors. But, you know, throughout the years, I've kind of have always been able to like gather mm-hmm. money and um, you know, cause Brack actually makes you put on a bike race. Um, well makes, you know, club teams put, put on bike races. And so you definitely putting on bike races, is not cheap. It's, um, a, a very costly and labor intensive, um, you know, beast of its own. So yeah, you need capital. Yeah, no shit. Um, well, since you're bringing it up, uh, what is it like to put on a crit? So tell me about the BFC crit and, yeah, for how long you, the group's been doing it. And, yeah, all, just tell me all about it. Sure. Um, okay, so we have been putting on the DFC crit, which DFC stands for the Denver Federal Center, um, which is out in Lakewood. And um, we've kind of been doing this for the last three years now. I believe this was our third, third year. And, and actually each year that we've done it, we've seen a uptick in numbers, which is really quite rewarding for, especially someone like me, who is, you know, one of the organizers of the race. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, my, my biggest thing is, oh gosh, are we going to lose money this year? Or, and how much are we going to lose? Or, you know, cause first of all, first and foremost, if you're going to put on a bike race, just know you're not going to make any money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it is definitely not something where you're like, oh yeah, I'm rolling in on the dollars. Like I, I, but you know, but there are companies like White Lines, you know, they they make money off of it somehow. Um, you know, and there are some out external companies aside from teams that put on races that do it to make a profit. Um, but we certainly don't make a profit on it. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's a lot of, you know, moving parts to it. Um, we usually try to pick uh, a weekend. Um, usually, our our weekend that we've been doing for the last two years, at least, have been the same weekend as Mother's Day, just because we're an all women's bike racing team, and you know, we're honoring our our moms who brought us into the world. Um, you know, so like, I just felt like that was a really good time to put it on, and also we're not competing with any other races, um, during that weekend. So we're like the only race that weekend on the plus side, you know, that's a plus side. Right. Um, but on the downside, you know, the early, you know, early spring, um, you could contend with bad weather. It could be rainy. Like as a matter of fact, I think last year it was rainy and it deterred a lot of people from coming, uh, to the race. Whereas this year it actually was sunny except for my race. Yeah, I know our race. It started. Raining. <laughs> I know. And it was so windy and I was like, God, yeah. girl, I feel like I'm in Kansas right now. Like, can somebody please dial down the wind? And Oh God. I know, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was actually the first time I actually raced that, uh, that crit. I mean, usually, you know, I, because being one of the organizers, I'm usually the head of registration for that day. And, um, you know, I, I never really have the time to do that. But, you know, one of my teammates was like, I can get this. I can handle this. And you brought your bike down here. You should go race. And so I did. Um, and what do you think of the race? I, you know, the course is harder than I thought. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that punchy hill is like quite the hill, like lap after lap. It just really gets mm-hmm. to you after a while. Um, but I've really enjoyed, I, and I know that this might be a turnoff for a lot of people, but you know, that might be like a bike handling skills type thing, but I've really liked that last corner coming into, you know, the finish. I, I, I mean, it is a technical turn um, and you are coming down hill. So you are getting a lot of speed, mm-hmm. but um, I, I actually like technical turns. So, you know, and I, and I, I really love descending. So that was pretty much up my alley. Um, but yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was good. I was gonna say, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, um, my teammate who raced earlier in the morning, um, she said like she was worried about that corner and I'm like, Oh dear Lord. Like, and I'm like freaking out. Cause this is my first time racing your race too. And I wanted to support you too. And, uh, yeah. When- and I totally thank you for that. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, when we took the turn, like I, we slowed down enough that I was like, Oh, like this isn't too bad. And maybe it's because I have better bike handling skills than I did like, you know, previous years or whatever. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun course. It had like what you guys described, right? Uh, you had the punchy hill, the flowing turns and, and the, the, the tight corner. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I think that our first year we did it, there were two crashes in that turn. Um, and, you know, I was like, oh God, we're going to have to change like the direction of this course because I don't want to experience, you know, I want to send people to the hospital. But then last year there were no crashes. Um, so, you know, I think people kind of got used to like, you know, that being the turn and, and hopefully people have read the race flyer or have gotten to preview the lap before they enter a race. I do know it's, it's probably much more difficult than, you know, men's fields where I think our senior men four or five, they raced together. And I think they had almost the maximum amount of people that were allowed to race, which I think the cap was like 75. They had something like 68, almost 70, which was something, something ridiculous. Like, can you imagine taking that turn with all those people? My God, like you have to rely on other people to make sure they hold their line and, you know, um, yeah. So I was gonna say, I couldn't imagine racing with 70 women. Like, I mean, our, we're lucky if we get double digits, right? So <laughs> it it would blow my mind to to race with that amount of women yeah. in the group. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, that's kind of one of, that's another pain point, I think, um, I feel as, you know, organizing this race. Because as I said, it, it does take, it's very labor intensive. So, you know, I think we start planning, doing the planning phases Usually we start it in January. Um, And as a matter of fact, this year, we weren't going to put on the race because being such a small team, you know, I was like, there's no way that we can put on this race with only five people. Like it would just be like, you know, masochist. Like I I just, I don't want to do that to myself. Um, And so I was actually searching, you know, other teams to work with, you know, just to co-host. And I reached out to a couple of teams and I think, um, I reached out to the Rocky mountain, uh, road club team. And unfortunately their race is on June 1st, the city park criterium. Everyone should go to it. Um, and you know, they like, it's because, because I'm going to be on vacation. I, I kind of felt like that's not fair to make the team, you know, work in my absence. And then I'm out there and I'm like, you know, sipping on like spritzers and, you know, Spain, that's so not fair. So then I reached out to another team. Um, Well, I actually reached out to uh, my friend Natalia races on the Colorado women's cycling project, which is formerly known as the naked um, women's team. And I don't mean naked, like no clothes. I mean, naked juice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and you know, she was, she said that their team actually co-hosts the Bannock street crit. And so, um, she put me in touch with the director of the Palmieri's team. And so I had gotten, you know, to talk, uh, to, oh gosh, why am I spacing his name right now? Oh, yeah. Damon. Oh my God. I don't know why I actually just met him, which it's kind of funny to like talk to people, you know, either like on a phone or via email and you have no idea what they look like. Yeah. So you've never had a conversation with them. Um, 
but he introduced himself to me at, at the very end of the race. And I was like, oh, there, that's the face that matches the voice. Great. Awesome. But, um, but yeah, so Damon, Damon and I had talked and um, chatted and, you know, he's got a pretty big roster on his team. So he obviously did not need any more volunteers for their bike race, um, which happens, I think in July or it might be in August. Um, but anyway, so he was like, you know, put in my ear, how about we save the DFC crit? Um, and I, you know, of course was very reluctant, you know, being a very small team. I was like, well, if you can ensure that I have 30 people to volunteer at this race, because that's how many people it takes to volunteer, um, I would maybe agree to it. But I, I also think that I would need some help on the race committee because that's the hardest job. Um, and so they actually found us a team. It's the Denver Bicycle Club Cafe. Um, so those guys actually helped us out and they did a great job. I mean, you know, they were just so excited. Um, you know, they were so good at like posting pictures throughout the day and, you know, really capturing the life of the race, which was great. Um, you know, so we really enjoyed working with them, but as I said, you know, there's, the race committee part is the hardest part. And I think, you know, the trade-off was us teaching them how to put on a race um, in exchange, you know, for them volunteering. And of course we gave, you know, them the option to race the crit for free. And I think they had about eight or nine racers um, from their team race in the event. So that was really quite fun. Um, I, I only know of one person that made it on the podium, but I think a few of them did. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was fun. It was definitely a fun day. And we had Katie Macarelli, you know, being our MC, which I had wanted her last year, but she had prior engagement and I wound up asking her a couple months ahead of time. Like, I know you don't have anything planned, right? <laughs> please, please come and be our MC. Um, so, but she did a great job and, you know, it was really fun. Like while we were racing, you know, to hear her call out like, the, the women and, you know, call out my name. And, um, but as I was saying earlier, like one of my, my pain points is like, you mentioned something about, you know, we're lucky if we get like double digits in our field sizes. And so one of the things that like, you know, is attractive for our race is that we are a equal time and equal cash payout. And, like everyone could win cash um, in all categories except for the junior categories. On top of which, we have had plenty of preems. So some some categories had three preems, some categories had four preems, depending on which category you were. And if you were a pro one too, it actually went five deep, so the cash purse was a little bit bigger. Um, but we had some really great prizes this year, and um, I think you know. You know, and then it, like I, one of the things that I wish we had more of is, like you said, more women coming out to these mm -hmm. races, um, you know, because they're really like, and I know you race as a cat three, your cat three fields are so tiny. It like makes me not want to cat up to a three. Like I just want to be a four it's, forever. <laughs> it's called the graveyard. And I, went, <laughs> and I thought it was bullshit when someone first told me, um, I think it was either I was like about to cat up or I had just catted up and they're like, Oh yeah. Cat three, it's the graveyard. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's stupid. And no, it is. It totally is. Like last year I came first place for the state championship road race and I got zero points because we only had four women in the category. <laughs> yeah. See, and you know, the, the cat four, you know, cat four and five, actually it's, it's a lot more robust. So you know, I'm not sure, like, you know, if people just, I mean, like I said, sometimes life happens and, you know, maybe like people can't race every year and, you know, they have families or, um, you know, something like work gets into the, in the way or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, so like, I don't know why there's such a big drop off from four to three. Um, but it's, you know, my pain point is like, I try to listen to other people's pain points, you know, putting on a race because it is quite difficult to, you know, satisfy everyone, right? Like it's, it's really hard, but for the majority I've heard cat threes don't really like riding, racing mm -hmm. with the cat one twos. And so like we actually separated the threes to race with the 40 plus. So we gave them their own category. Right. 
Um, you know, and then, and then I also heard, um, because it's kind of typical that the pros race at the end of the day, they're like the last races that go off. So we did the opposite. We put the men before lunch. Um, so they raced sometime around like 11 and then we did, um, the women right after lunch. Um, and so they didn't have the, the last slots. Um, so, you know, they could still have spectators watch them and stuff. And I, Honestly, think in the P12 women field, there were only seven racers. One of them was a Swiss national, and I think she actually mm. took first place, which is super exciting about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm sad because, like, you know, I really would love to have more women come out um, and participate. I just, I'm not really sure how else to, you know, get more women to come out and, I did hear that um, collegiate nationals was that weekend. So, you know, maybe that was um, part of the issue. But um, again, I mean, you know, our field sizes aren't really that big. Um, So it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I rack my brain over it probably every race when, yeah, we have this dismal number show up and it doesn't matter, like whatever category. Um, And you know, I did sort of the same thing that you did with, you know, your team in the DF secret where, you know, on BRAC, um, we did the women's plus initiative and that stemmed from sending out a survey to the 500 or so women who are registered on BRAC. And yeah, we had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 questions and I've tried implementing everything that was like the pain points for women and like who responded and stuff. And even adding all the clinics and the events and stuff that we've added and whatever else that I try to do. Yeah. You still don't, you still don't get that showing. So it kind of blows my mind. I'm not sure what the next steps are. I mean, I think some, um, maybe some of the deterrent of continuing with racing in the sport. Um, I, I think that, you know, first of all, Racing in Colorado is really hard. <laughs> Everyone here is in such great shape. Um, you know, and like I said, bike racing takes a lot of consistency um, and, you know, commitment, um, you know, because it's not like you're going out for a run and it's only a 45 minute run. You're going out for a bike ride and usually it's like, you know, two hours four to four hours, like depending on if it's the weekend or not. Um, and so, you know, I think it might, you know, one of the things I, I tell my girls is it's not really about the result though. I think a lot of women are result driven. Um, it's more or less about the journey. So for example, for me, um, I don't really race to be on the podium. I race because I enjoy meeting new people. Um, but I also like to see like where my fitness goes. Um, and you know, like I, when I first started, God, I mean, yeah, I'd been riding a bike for a while, but I was definitely like novice racer. And now like, you know, I kind of feel like I, I know what to do. Um, but you know, it's kind of taken like quite some time and, you know, some people are like, also just so you know, I got into racing like really late in life. Um, so I think I was like 37 Mm -hmm. maybe, and I'm 42 now. (laughs) So I'm racing with these youngins, which man, they are so good. Like (laughs) so good. Um, yeah. yeah, So like I could race 40 plus and actually I did, I did race 40 plus for the DF secret. Um, just cause like, I think, you know, when I was at registration, I think there was like one girl that was pre-registered and I was like, Oh, (laughs) we need to, we need to have this, you know, we, we need to have somebody else race with this poor girl like that, you know, that kind of sucks that she's like by herself. Right. But then I think the day of the race, we wound up getting quite a few more women that um, participated in, I think there was like 10 women total for 40 plus, which I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And that's including yeah, myself and my team. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a pretty, pretty good, you know, showing. Um, but again, like I really... I really wish we could get more ladies to come out. I just don't, I really don't like, I mean, I I thought I listened to like everyone's pain points and tried to solve some of them. And, um, but you know, still it seems to be kind of an issue and especially for your field. Like I kind of feel bad that your, your field is 
dubbed the graveyard god like <laughs> that sounds so not inviting right <laughs> <laughs> i know i don't know who came up with it but i was like damn <laughs> so this is a hard question but i'm interested in your answer uh what would make a great race for women i don't know i i think um so you know that there's the Colorado Classic is now like a women's only bike race. Um, they actually just announced their host cities, which um, just came to me in an email. Um, and I'm I'm so looking forward to it just because I want to support women's racing. I mean, I think, you know, over the years, you know, the Colorado Classic um, had, you know, a lot of pain points. Um, there was a bike race here and then there wasn't, we had some pretty big name, you know, racers come out to race the event, you know, and then there's always like this little add on of like, here's the women's race. You know, I mean, I think last year it was like a bunch of crit races for the women, which, (laughs) oh, crit races. They're kind of, you know, people are just riding around in circles, (laughs) but you know, two years before that, I got to watch, um, the women, race up Moonstone and Breckenridge. And that's quite a climb. I mean, it's, it's definitely a gnarly climb. Um, especially when you get right to the top, when you are just about to crest to the top of that climb, it just pitches up and gets steeper. Uh So it's kind of like a knock in your face. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think, um, I don't, I don't know what's gonna, how to change it. I mean, there's so many cyclists here. I'm surprised that a cycling event hasn't actually launched and been as successful as some of the other pro races, like the Amgen tour, um, which sorry, side topic, but I always look forward. I always look forward to watching the women's race. And this year you couldn't see anything of the women's race. Like, you know, it's just, I, I couldn't see how the race unfolded you know, how there was like a breakaway, actually a couple of breakaways. I couldn't see, you know, Katie Hall and yeah. Anna Vanderbreggen going up like Mount Baldy. I mean, and I don't even know how they got separated from the group and they like just the two of them crossed the finish line solo. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like kind of a little bit sad about it um, just because like, you know, yeah, I mean, men have been in the sport a lot longer and um, you know, they get a lot of exposure and coverage and, you know, you can watch, I mean, I watched, watched the men's tour of, you know, Amgen tour on TV. And, um, but I really think, I mean, I really hope that the, you know, women's Colorado race is gonna, you know, launch. And I mean, it is the first of its kind, they are going to be televising it. Um, and I'm actually going to try to get my girls to come and follow around the race. Like, you know, when they can, because mm-hmm. I think they race for four days and I think it starts on Thursday. So it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in August. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I really want it to be successful. Yeah. Um, I know my team wants to do, like, you know, something like go and show up. And I know John, um, the community outreach director for uh, the Colorado Classic, and I know their biggest thing is getting people to show up. Uh, because I think that makes the biggest difference too. Like when you're watching from TV and you see no one on the sides, uh, it doesn't look as, you know, exciting as the tour, uh, the France or something. So I know their biggest thing is, you know, watching it, um, you know, from the computer or wherever, and then being there in person. And, um, I think, pedal my team we're gonna either try to station up somewhere um in golden when they come through or in denver and i want to make it like a fun party time like phil gaiman whenever he does his like cookie corner that looks like a blast and i want to steal his idea and do something like (laughs) (laughs) for the women's racing because yeah i think having yeah i think having fun on the sideline and making it a party and showing that um that yeah that we support women's empowerment through sport is yeah it's important yeah i mean i like last year when they had this race come to town i only watched the women just to like it was kind of like my 
my personal sort of protest in a way, like, you know, like, hey, women are really fun to watch too. Um, you know, especially since, like, God, I mean, watching those women, they rode, they've raced up Boonstone 10 times, okay, yeah. like, like in Breckenridge. And I, I was like, my God, I think after the first two times, I would have been like, oh, <laughs> no way. Um, but, you know, it was fun to actually be a spectator there because it was kind of like a party. Maybe not the amount of spectators that you see on Alpe d'Huez for the Tour de France, say, but, you know, there was like a party bus up there. People were dressed in costumes. Somebody was blowing bubbles. There's definitely a lot of music, um, you know, and, and so it did make it, you know, be like really fun. It was like the first time. I actually saw, you know, like the women come through because I don't think they actually had women's um, racing when they first um, put this on. Um, so it was a pro cycling challenge first. And I think it was just an all men's bike race. Um, and again, I do remember going up on Flagstaff for, for one of the stages. Um, and that was a huge party. I mean, like there, people were lined all the way up Flagstaff, which I don't know how you, you know, get people to come out and like, you know, watch these racers. You have to either really like cycling or, um, I know somebody that like, you have a friend that likes cycling and it's like something to do or, you know, so I don't, you know, I mean, I, I plan on spreading the word, um, through our social media channels just to, you know, like really bolster this up because I, I do want it to be successful. Um, and it's, not because I'm just a, you know, I'm a woman or anything like that, but it's mm -hmm. more or less because it's really the first of its kind. Um, and, you know, I, I think, like I said, I, I think, you know, it's, I think it's really interesting to watch women race as well. I mean, you know, it's, it's not all about like, oh, I look good on a bike. <laughs> I know sometimes, you know, people post on Instagram, this is what I look like, you know, they oh, look so polished. <laughs> And I'm like, God, when I do a race, I have snot coming out of my nose, drool coming off of my face. Like, I look disgusting. I have, like, caked sweat everywhere. Like, right. my hair is plastered to my head. How do these girls make themselves look so good after a bike race? I have no idea. They must have somebody that's, like, following them around to, like, you know, oh, let's, you know, touch up your, like, makeup here. And or are they wearing makeup? I have no idea. <laughs> like... <laughs> I know. I know. I don't get that either. But that's why I always like see, you know, in my helmet and sunglasses until I get back to my car. <laughs> well, see, now, now I've kind of been bringing a trucker hat with me. Ah. And I'll grab whatever trucker hat that I have. Um, you know, because like, sometimes, you know, after I've like sweated in my hair, and I have like naturally like wavy hair, it looks like I have beach curls. Like, <laughs> I don't know how it even happens. I mean, it doesn't look good on top of my head because, you know, like I said, it's like yeah. caked salt up there. So I just throw on a, a you know, a, a cap, there like a trucker hat. and Yeah. And then I, it hides like my face. <laughs> <laughs> See, I look like shit in normal hats. Like I can pull off a beanie, but like in the summer, I wear beanies. So I just have to, I just have to grin and bear it, I guess. I really love cycling caps, but I also look like an asshole in those too. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah I don't know I don't I, I own a couple of cycling caps but I have never worn them oh I love them yeah I just don't know if I look good in, in a hat or a cycling cap either but <laughs> you don't care I don't know I, I think I might have like I used to maybe cinch the hat a little bit too tight around my head so now I just like wear it a lot looser <laughs> and for some reason it like I think it looks cool or something <laughs> hey you know you can do whatever you want <laughs> Yep, yeah, I'm doing me. <laughs> you do you, I'll do me. <laughs> All right. Well, my last question is why do you ride a bike? Oh, goodness. Um lots of reasons. Um I mean, I I really I like the fitness aspect of it. Um I like working out. I like taking care of myself and um I really I know interval training is not for everyone, but I really feel satisfied when I've completed a workout. Cause I think there's this like, you know, like I'm being held accountable, you know, having a coach and things like that. And so if I don't do it, I like, then all of a sudden I feel really guilty that I'm not, you know, doing the workouts and I'm getting judged yeah. or something. <laughs> um, but, um, but I also really love it, like for the social aspect of it. Um, 
so, you know, again, like, you know, the, the social part that I really love is like, again, if I'm like doing a workout and I'm doing like a really hard interval or something, and I'm going to use my friend Holly as an example, um, because I really love riding with her, but you know, the mojo is just like really high, you know? And like, if I think for some split second that like, oh, I can't finish this, this is too hard. Like she's behind me riding my wheel saying that I can finish it. And like, it's just a little bit further. And, you know, cause like bike racing and, and biking in general, I think is, you know, like the, um, it's, it's a lot less like physical. I mean, yes, you do need some like physical aspect of it, but I think it's mostly like mental. Um, so you have like that, you know, little voice in the mm-hmm. back of your head that tells you, you can't like do it. Um, you know, and it's kind of like this conflicting thing. Cause it's like, no, but I don't want to give up, you know? And, and so, um, but I, I really do like having the, the social part of, you know, having, you know, people that like are there to like support you, you know, cause sometimes it does get really hard. Um, and racing itself is not easy. It's definitely, it's always hard. Um, so I think, you know, that's the stuff that I truly enjoy, um, for biking. And of course, eating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I ride a bike to eat. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) if I didn't ride a bike, I'd probably be pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I have like a six pack abs or anything like that, but, um, but no, I mean, you know, yeah, I just, I, I, do it so I can eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. At least you're honest. At least you have Mox's Bread sponsoring you, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, because really you cannot go in there without ordering a Queenamon or like some sort of, you know, baked treat to go along with your yeah, sandwich. Or even like, I mean, they have hot chocolate there. I mean, I usually get that in like when it's in the colder months and stuff, but, um, they also have oat milk, which I'm like really into oat milk right now. Um, and it's just so good. I mean, God, it's like one of my go-to drinks in like the winter, October, winter time. I'll have to try that sometime. No, I don't. Oh my gosh. You should come up here and ride with me and I'll take you there for sure. Right. I'm, I'm sure that we will definitely hit Moxie. But sounds like a plan. Sure.